0: you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, in the precious Word of God this morning, and uh, over this past month, I've talked to you about the hope of Isaiah, we talked about the angels' plea or their declaration of peace, we talked about the joy of the shepherds, and so today we're going to conclude our kind of, uh, if you want to tag, kind of... Think of it as an Advent series. We're going to conclude this series by talking about the limitless love of Joseph. The limitless love of Joseph. And uh, I think you'll see very quickly that it gives way to a greater love than we could even imagine. Look with me in Matthew chapter 1 this morning, beginning in a very familiar portion of Scripture. And uh, we want to begin reading in verse number 18. which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, look at it there. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did. I love that word, did. He did it. Did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name. Jesus, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your, not only Your love, but Your goodness, Your greatness, Your protection, Your provision to us. Lord, we thank You for wrapping Your loving arms of comfort about us during this past year. Such a difficult year when there's been the loss of life. There's been racial struggles there has been tensions all throughout this land and all throughout our world but lord the one constant the one consistent thing in it all has been you and so lord we thank you today we lift up your name we celebrate your greatness in this place we sing praises to you and i pray that our voices and our hearts and our desires have brought you honor and glory this morning Lord, I pray that as we spend a few, time, few moments of time in your word this morning, I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we might hear from you once again. God, that we might understand where this limitless love really comes from. That, Lord, we might not only celebrate it, but God, that we might put it into practice in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way. I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching with us online, Lord, I pray that if they're watching or in this room worshiping with us, Lord, that uh, if they don't have a relationship with you through Jesus, I pray that today that they would recognize their need, their greatest and deepest need, and that they would call upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. Lord, I pray that you'll draw us close to thee during this special time And we'll give you the praise for it all. And we pray this and ask it in the mighty and precious name of our Lord and Savior and for His sake. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Well, as uh, we begin our time uh, this morning, the Sunday after Christmas kind of feels like the Sunday after Easter. But here we are. I want to, uh, as we begin our time, I want to uh, share a few thoughts with you. First of all, I realize that... uh, Technically speaking, Christmas time has passed. I appreciate the fact that uh, all the gifts most likely have been unwrapped. Uh, Wrapping paper, hopefully, you've put it in its proper receptacle. Um, You have cleared the way for uh, life to continue to thrive in your household, and uh, you have moved these things. I fully understand that some of you, uh, let me ask, let me take a poll. I've never asked this before. How many people have already taken down their Christmas decorations? Anyone? Okay, well, I figured some of you may have already started putting up Valentine's decorations. I mean, Walmart's probably already got the candy in the aisles. I haven't been to Walmart, but I'm just guessing based on past experiences that if we were to take a journey to Walmart, they're probably already advertising uh, Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day, and so... I understand if you've moved on, but before we move on or beyond this magnificent story of Christmas, I thought it was appropriate for you and I to take a couple of minutes this morning to really to dig in just briefly to consider not only the dilemma, but the decision that Joseph made back here at the Christmas story. And if you remember, I was saying on Christmas Eve that Joseph is the only one, the only character, if you please, in the the Christmas account that doesn't say a word now let's be honest i'm guessing joseph had a lot to say don't you when he turns around and he finds out that his uh fiance so to speak the woman that he is a spouse to or betrothed to she's with child i'm guessing he had a few words to say but for whatever reason scripture does not record or share a single word from joseph so maybe some of you are wondering, well what can we really learn from Joseph's life? I mean, the guy doesn't say a word and you're you've titled this the limitless love of Joseph, but what can we really word? What can we really learn? Excuse me. I can tell you this, although you may not see a word from Joseph, his actions speak loudly, his actions speak very clearly. And so let's draw our attention. In fact, uh historically speaking, Joseph was uh, from the tiny agricultural village of a place called Nazareth. And if you know your history, you'll understand that Nazareth was a place where many pagans had set up uh, uh, idols and and places of worship to the so-called gods, little g of the day. And if you remember in history, when the Romans kind of took control of this scene, Nazareth actually became uh, known as a uh, place of bad morals. It wasn't a, a really highly esteemed place. So much so that you remember when John says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, and and the disciples start to follow him, you'll remember that just down beyond that in John chapter 1, in verse number 45, when Philip went and found Nathanael, here's what he says. It says, When he went to find him, he says, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But if you remember, Nathanael's immediate response was, That's right, in verse number 46, uh, Nathanael says these words. He says, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? So that's where Joseph's from. Joseph was a carpenter by trade, probably a family uh, uh, trade, and his father's name was Jacob. Now, if you and I were to go back in history, we could find that Joseph was linked to an evil king back in Jeremiah. His name was Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim uh, burned up the the writings of Jeremiah, and there was uh, penalties for that. I'd encourage you to read that story of Jehoiakim. Uh, But what we find here is that uh, when we get back to the Christmas story, it's interesting to me how all the different Gospels uh, handle the story, if you please, of the birth of Christ. In fact, Mark essentially ignores the story altogether. You remember Mark's Gospel. What does he begin with? Does anybody know? He begins with John the Baptist doing what? Baptizing Jesus. When you look at uh, John, John doesn't deal with Jesus' birth uh, except to say that the Word became flesh and the Word dwelt among us. And we look here in Matthew and we just read a passage where Matthew uh, initially shares a lengthy genealogy working all the way down through Joseph and Mary. He briefly describes Joseph's uh, interaction and the the announcement of Jesus' inevitable birth. And then uh, he records the journey of the Magi. But obviously Luke is the one, Luke's gospel is the one that gives us the most lengthy and the most detailed account of Jesus' birth, surrounding not only the the foretelling of John the Baptist's birth, he uh, shares the shepherd's initial visit to the manger, Jesus being presented at the temple. I was sharing with you the other night how we also get from Luke's gospel, Simeon and Anna's response to Jesus when he goes to the temple. Luke also shares a lengthy account of Mary's interaction with the angel Gabriel and then her visit with her cousin Elizabeth, her much older cousin. But nowhere in the Gospels, nowhere, absolutely nowhere, are we given a clue as to how Joseph finds out about Mary's pregnancy. All we find, look at verse number 18 again, is that before they came together... Look there at the end of the verse. It says, before they came together, she or Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So that being said this morning, I want us to quickly reflect on a couple of things about Joseph. Now, for you note takers, I've actually put point number one and point number two into one point. Amen? That's going to save you time. It's going to save you time and going to save you ink. All right? So if you're a note taker, notice with me. Point number one, it has two thoughts to it, and that's Joseph's limitless love for God, but also his limitless love for Mary. Notice verse number 19. Because number verse number 19 reveals right away that Joseph, watch it, was a just man. So what does that mean, Joseph was a just man? It means that Joseph was, was someone uh, uh, who... who uh, adhered to the law strictly. He was a just man. So the fact that Mary, his espoused wife, shows up pregnant is a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. You say, well, 2020, it happens. Yeah, sure, it does happen. In this culture, in this time, it would have been a huge deal. Can I tell you that there would have been certain, and I even hate to use it, so I'll put some air quotes around it to help you feel better. There were certain stigmas that would have come along with Mary being found with child. And I don't care if Mary shows up and tells everybody that she's with child of the Holy Ghost. How many people do you think if a woman shows up and says, oh, honey, I'm pregnant, but it's it's God's child. How do you think that most men are going to respond to that? I can tell you that they're not going to respond the way that you would think they would. You see, we tend to equate Jewish marriage and the Jewish practices of marriage uh, in that time with our practices today, but there are only a few similarities. In fact, Jewish betrothals back then and current day practice of engagements today, there are a lot of differences. Uh, thinking about the differences, I put down here in my notes the practice of Jewish betrothal was seen as being far greater in commitment. A lot of times you hear couples, they get engaged and then the next thing you see in the news is that the engagement's off. Well, a Jewish betrothal was different, you see, because families of the bride and groom would actually arrange these marriages, and many times they would do it without actually telling the bride or the groom. See, the men, the Jewish men, they would meet down at the at the gate where business was done. In the Jewish culture, business was taking place down at the gate. And so the men, they're down there, and they're making a deal, and they're saying, uh, Brother Workema, and uh, let's find somebody else. Brother Workama says, please be careful who you choose. Uh, Brother Pearson, have I got a deal for you. We're going to work out a deal. And they don't even tell the kids. This is what Jewish betrothal would have looked like. Aside from the advantages of extending their families, the most important factor was the establishment of a lasting commitment. Can I tell you, in a Jewish betrothal, in a Jewish arranged marriage, love was not really the priority. Extending the family was. Lasting commitment was. It was more than just uh, uh, about emotional feelings or emotional attachments, if you please. Contracts would be signed by each father. And uh, if you were the father or the mother of the bride, you would be happy to know that you would be getting paid for this arrangement and so the bride price would be paid and so father of the, the groom would come up with some money and give it to the father of the bride. And once the contract was signed, once the bride price was paid, the marriage was now legally binding. And yet there would not be a ceremony many times for at least a year. But during this year-long period of betrothal, the idea was of the groom and the bride being separated to go through, watch this, a time of testing to test their fidelity. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the word fidelity, that means their faithfulness. So now let's go back to the idea of looking at Joseph's love for God and Joseph's love for Mary. See, when Mary becomes pregnant, it's a huge cultural no-no. In other words, it would bring not only her shame, it would bring Joseph's shame, and it would also shame both of their families. So if she just shows up and says, Hi, um, I know this looks bad, but it's of the Holy Ghost. The families were kind of quiet when we think about it, but the families would not have been quiet it would have been a big deal. So let's go back to my point. The first part of my point is that Joseph loves God. Look there, the phrase says, he was a just man. He's extremely dedicated to the dictates of God's word. In fact, in the Old Testament, they had a Hebrew word that was used to describe such a person. That word, word, excuse me, was Sadiq. The word was Sadiq. And it literally actually speaks of someone who is known, watch this, for their uncompromising obedience to the law of Moses. That was Joseph. Joseph was a Sadiq. He was uncompromising. He He was a just man. He was in love with God. And he was willing to prove his love for God no matter what it took. In fact, If you understand the idea of being a sadiq, Joseph would have been a young man who was committed to living out his Jewish faith in any way possible. He would have been concerned uh, what he ate. He would have been concerned who he hung out with. He would have been concerned with how he uh, uh, behaved on the Sabbath. These things would have been really important to him. And by the way, as a young man who was known as a sadiq or someone with uncompromising uh, obedience to the law of God, Joseph... Are you ready for this? Be careful, pride cometh before a fall. But Joseph would have been highly esteemed by other young Jewish men. They would have looked at Joseph and said, man, that guy is always walking for God. That guy walks according to the law of Moses. That guy is a strict observer of the law. That guy is really doing a great job living for God. And now, guess what? his reputation as a Sadiq is under fire because guess what? Mary's pregnant and he's not the father. Now what do I do? It wasn't a position that I'm guessing Joseph wanted for himself. And I'm guessing just like every church in America, just like every church in the world, oh, those unbiblical gossipers came out to play. Joseph Mary's pregnant. Yeah, I think it's Pearson boy. Yeah, it's like Caleb's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Caleb's like, how did I get into the message? But I'm guessing the gossipers were out there. And yet Joseph, of no fault of his own, Joseph was quite honestly an innocent bystander. But God had chosen him for such a time as this. Oh yes, his reputation was on the line. The gossipers immediately came out to play and I'm guessing the Jewish friends of his were encouraging him to expose her publicly to punish her, which according to the law would have been acceptable. You see, because as a strict observer of the law, Joseph would have known according to Deuteronomy chapter 22 that Mary's fate should have been death. She should have been stoned. But guess what? If he wanted to be a little more genteel, he could refer to Deuteronomy chapter 24, which would have given him the ability to divorce her, to write a divorce decree, get a divorce uh, writing, but also to punish her publicly, to shame her. And to be honest, when you look at the past, when you look at the history of this story and you consider all the ramifications of what's going on, this typically probably would have been, this would have been the, res, the response of many of these Jewish men. But that was not the response of Joseph because Joseph wasn't most men. You see, Joseph was not a hothead. He was not somebody who just ran around doing these things. Remember, he's a just man. He's a strict observer of the law. And so he wants to please God. But I also see in Scripture that he loves Mary. He loves God, and he understands that he has the right to these different options. But this is a man, as we look back at first point, that he also loved Mary. In fact, uh, this may seem logical, but folks, remember, marriages weren't always based on love. They were based on The family needs, and sometimes the need of the family was to to build a social or an economic relationship that would stand the test of time. And to be quite honest, in many of these marriages, the emotional attachment had no play at all. But this is where Joseph found him. So how can I be sure? You say, well, Pastor, you said that Joseph had a limitless love for God, but he also had a limitless love for Mary. How can we be sure? Look at verse number 19 because it's right there in front of our eyes. Back in verse number 19, God's Word tells us that Joseph was not willing to make her a public example but was minded to put her away privily. As far as he knows, folks, as far as Joseph knows, Mary has been unfaithful. She has been unfaithful. And the period, this Jewish betrothal period of separation was done as a time of testing to test one another's faithfulness. So her showing up, they weren't like, like our engagements are different. I mean, we have we have cell phones and things now. I mean, Krista and I didn't even have cell phones 35 years ago when we were dating, right? We didn't have cell phones. If you wanted to get something, if I wanted to get her a note, guess what? I actually picked up a piece of paper and I wrote a note, I put it in an envelope, I got a stamp, I put her address on it, and I mailed it. Now, we have the convenience of this and it can be seen immediately. We can actually click on our phone and see one another and talk to one another face to face. Joseph and Mary had been separated. All Joseph knows, all that you and I know is that Mary shows up pregnant. And so in his mind, in the, all that he has at this point is that this woman has been unfaithful to him. No matter how much he loved Mary, Joseph had a problem. He was in a pickle, so to speak, because he loves God. And you see, I'm taught that I'm to love God first, right? I'm to love God first, and my funny little honey comes second. And guess what, children? You come next. Quit trying to wedge your way into mom and dad's little heart. Listen, they love you, but guess what? Their responsibility is to God first and you second. But this is the problem. Joseph's in a pickle. Yes, he loves God. He loves Mary, but he loves God first. So what does he do? God's supposed to come first, not Mary. So let's see what takes place. He has these legal options. But what I see here in verse 19 is that Joseph chooses the way of love. His care for Mary is obvious in the decision that he makes to proceed in a manner that would protect her and to not only protect her, really, to be honest, because people are going to talk. Do you know that? In 2020, you make a bad choice. People are going to talk. The same was true back then. And so Joseph does, what can I do to not only protect her and her reputation, but to best serve her and not to punish her? And so in verse 19, it says, not willing to make her a public example, he was minded to put her away privily. Well, I look in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in verse number 7, the Bible reminds us that charity... Beareth all things. The word charity in that passage means love in action. So Joseph decides to put some love in action. And he decides to bear all things, but not until the angel of the Lord comes to him. I think about 1 Peter. In 1 Peter 4, 8, the Bible says, Charity, which there again, meaning love in action, shall cover a multitude of sins. Oh, my friends, Joseph had decided to put into practice, think about this, he decides to put into practice the kindness, the tenderheartedness, and the forgiveness that you and I actually read about in Ephesians 4.32. Joseph actually decides to put on bowels of mercies, which you and I find in Colossians 3 and verse number 12. And so you see this timing, Joseph, he gets away and he starts contemplating what's going to take place. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure Joseph believes her story about being pregnant of the Holy Ghost. I'm not sure I'd believe Krista if she came up to me and says, hey, Greg, it's okay, I'm pregnant of the Holy Ghost. I'd be like, no, uh uh-uh, that's not a real thing. And she said, say, yes. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Yes, I understand that, but you being pregnant of the Holy Ghost is not even possible. But doesn't Scripture confirm that with God all things are possible? Oh, my friends, he may not have believed her story of being pregnant of the Holy Ghost, but this is a young man who loves her so much that his love for her enables him, his love for God and his love for Mary enables him to be as merciful as the law would allow. He has options. He doesn't have to stone her. He doesn't have to, uh, he, to, to divorce her and punish her in public. He has the option of just quietly divorcing her and making it a, a quiet thing, a private thing, so as to save her any embarrassment. And this is what he chooses to do. Oh, it wasn't based on some emotional feeling because in the midst of his heartbreak, he determines to act in a way that would best meet Mary's needs, not his own. Joseph, they're already talking about you. They're already saying, hey, bro, your wife is pregnant. How did that happen? And Joseph, he's just busy hammering away. He's just like, leave me alone. Quit talking about me. I'm I'm just going to keep on building. I'm building a place for my wife and I. Remember, this time of betrothal, he probably would have been preparing a home for his wife. He's just, leave me alone. Quit talking to me. Can you imagine? Guys, put yourself in the story, especially men. Put yourself in the story today and consider the limitless love of Joseph as he loved God and he loved Mary. Oh, as he's deliberating about the details, look at verse 20. Because verse 20 tells us that the angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream to confirm the source of Mary's pregnancy. How many of you have ever had dreams? Okay, you're lying right now. Only 12 of you have had dreams. I will not raise my hand in the house of God. Whether I'm singing or the pastor asks me a question, oh, get over yourself. How many of you have had dreams? Oh, now everybody's had dreams. Everybody's a player now. Oh, we're all playing along with the game. (laughs) You've woken us up. How many of you can remember the dreams the next day? Now, let me ask you a question How many of you have had dreams and forgot what the dream was about the next day? Joseph doesn't forget. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and you say why why can i just say because god loves joseph you see in the midst of the turmoil in the midst of the trouble in the midst of the chaos in the midst of not knowing what the heck is going on god wants to confirm in joseph's heart What is taking place? And so God sends the angel Gabriel in the midst of Joseph's dream, in the midst of his pondering, he sends the angel Gabriel to share with Joseph, to assure Joseph, to guide Joseph, to explain the predicament that Joseph now finds himself in and to reveal amazingly the destiny of this promised child. Which, yes, Joseph, you're not the father because this is my son. Can you imagine the angel of the Lord saying, it's okay, because it's God's son. It's not your son. Get over yourself. And Joseph's uh, saying, "Uh, what? You want me to what? We don't see Joseph saying anything in any of the Gospels about this. But what's really interesting to me is look at verse 21 of our passage. Because the angel tells Joseph in verse 21 that Mary will bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save their people from their sins. Folks, the name Jesus was common and it was a form of Joshua which actually means the Lord saves. And if you look on where the angel talks to Joseph, He's referencing what Isaiah would have said, but in verse 23, he tells Joseph that the, Mary, that the baby in Mary's belly is also going to be known as Emmanuel, God with us. Now stay with me for a second, because I'm going to go somewhere that maybe you've never thought of before. But what's interesting also to me is that the name Jesus also comes from the Hebrew wor- root word for Hosea. And maybe this reminds you like it did me the other day that Hosea was asked by God to demonstrate unconditional, limitless love by taking a wife in Gomer. By by all accounts, by every account if you please, by all standards, had a bad reputation. And here we find God telling Joseph to do the same thing. He's saying, The world doesn't understand. They're going to talk. They're going to whisper. They're going to gossip. Your Jewish friends may turn their back on you. They may think that you're no longer a Siddiq, but I know you are a Sadiq. I know that you are a just man. I know that you're committed to me. I know that you love me, and I know that you love this young lady. And so guess what? I want you to understand that the child coming is Emmanuel God with us. This is my son, not your son. Joseph, it's not about you. It's about me. I don't know about you, that blows my circuit breaker. I find that Joseph's willing to do the same thing that Hosea does. And he takes Mary as his wife, no matter what people are going to think, no matter what people are, are saying. And folks, I say this all the time to my bride. I say, that's just what love does. That's just what love does sometimes. And sometimes when I say it to Krista, I'm being facetious. I'm trying to be funny. And we have a, a weird, a very weird relationship. The fact that she's loved me for this long is weird in and of of itself. (laughs) But isn't that what 1 Peter 4 said? I said, that's what love does. Love, 1 Peter 4, 8 says charity. Love in action covers a multitude of sins. Hold on a second. The, limits, the limitless love of Joseph, Joseph's love for God, and Joseph's love for Mary is seen in the same regard as God's limitless love for you and for me. That's our second point. That's our second point because in verses 21 through 23, I see the limitless love of God is the reason that Jesus Christ was born into this world. Oh, my friends, as sinners, I'm number one. Wasn't it Paul who said, I am a chief of sinners? He had a right understanding of who he was, but Paul also had a right understanding of who God was. Oh, my friends, as sinners, oh, my friends, God needed to deal with me. He needed to deal with you justly and punish us for our sin. But every Christmas... That's why I love Christmas so much. Every Christmas I'm reminded that he did so. He dealt with my sin. He, he punished me in the most just way, and the most merciful way he could by sending his son to die in my place. God said, hey, Greg, you deserve to die, but I got a, I got a real Christmas bonus for you. I'm going to send my son to live a perfect life. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to live a sinless life. He's going to die on the cross for the sins of not only you, but of the world. He's going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And then three days later, he's going to rise up and he's going to conquer death, hell and the grave. And he's going to do it all because I love you. And I'm like, what? If you've never trusted Christ today, there's no reason to walk out of this place. There's no reason to turn the computer off without trusting God as your savior. Oh, my friends, the limitless love of God is amazing. Joseph's love for God and his love for Mary are important aspects of the Christmas story. But don't be mistaken yourself, they're not the most important. The central message of love at Christmas and every day is God's love for us. Oh, yes, we are all sinners that have come short of the glory of God. And God's love is not based on some emotional feeling, but it consists of the action, A-C-T-I-O-N, the action that he took to take away my sin and to take away your sin. And he did it because he loved us. Verse 21, look with me. You find that the angel proclaims to Mary. He says that Mary would bring forth a son and he tells Joseph, thou shalt call his name Jesus. Watch the last part. For he shall save his people from their sins. Folks, if you, if I, if we ever begin to doubt the love of God, all we have to do is look at Jesus. All you have to do is look at Jesus and understand his love. Oh, what a wonderful Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is his name, Christ is his title, but I got news for you. He can neither be Jesus nor the Christ unless he is Emmanuel, God with us. Did you get it? You see, because if he's not God with us, he cannot be Jesus. And if he is not God with us, he cannot be the Christ child. That's why it's so important to understand the virgin birth of Jesus. Oh, as Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, More than 700 years before his birth, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Oh, he's the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Oh, what more could we want? What more do we need? It seems like everywhere I turn, people are like, Pastor, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. No, all you need is Jesus. Because soon and very soon, all of this is going away. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth because the old earth is going to be passed away, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth where I'll never have any more pain, no more night, no more crying. We're going to see our loved ones there. Those who by faith have gone on before us. Those who have held the torch the lamp of life through Jesus Christ, we're going to see them there. We're down here fussing and feuding about junk. We're down here running amok. Turn with me to 1 John. I want you to, I'm going to wrap up. I want you to see something in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 4, I'm sorry. 1 John chapter 4. And when you get there, drop down and look with me to verse number 10 and verse number 11. The Bible says, here in his love. Here in his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse number 11 Beloved, if God so loved us, what does it say? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. My friends, the Bible makes it abundantly clear right here that there is an unbreakable connection between God's love for us and our love for one another. Here in his love, not that we loved. God, but that he loved us. Oh, his love is seen in creating the world, his love in promising a savior, his love in sending his son, his love in allowing Jesus to die on the cross. Oh, my friends, God's love is always first. It's always first. And if we ever cease to celebrate the fact that his love comes first, then we'll never understand how to love one another second. Our love for one another should follow, not out of obligation, but out of an outpouring of the love that He pours into us. Have you ever seen the example? And I know they have some crafty ways of showing it. Uh, Have you ever seen somebody take an empty pitcher and just pour in water and pour in water and pour in water? And then what you'll know is if you just keep the tap on, guess what's going to happen? It's going to overflow. That's exactly how God's love should be in our lives. As Christ followers, as Christians, those who are called by His name, those who have fallen in love with God through Jesus Christ, His Son, those who are living to set an example, right? We're we're called to be a living, holy example, which is acceptable, right? His love is coming in. I've never heard of God stopping His love faucet and His love continually pours in, then why isn't it coming out of us? Why? There's something wrong with our pitcher, so to speak. There's something wrong with our cups, so to speak, if the love of God that continually flows in us and over us isn't pouring out all around This is when I think about the limitless love of Joseph for God and for Mary. The only way that Joseph could love God, the only way that he could love Mary was because God loved him first. Oh, listen. Jesus put it this way. In John chapter 13, and you've heard these verses before, in John chapter 13, after setting an example with his disciples and eating the Passover feast, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, Oh, this is a great one. We love to read it. We love to heed it, but sometimes I'm afraid we don't apply it. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, by this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. And one of the longest words in the English dictionary right there. If, if, if you have love for one another. My friends, Christmas is a love story. It's a love story. But don't mistake, don't make the mistake of thinking it's just simply a love story between Joseph and Mary and his limitless love for Mary. No, it's a love story. It's a story of God's love for us. It's not a love based solely on how God feels, although God's Word confirms over and over that He cares deeply for you and me. It's not a love story based on what God is going to somehow get out of the relationship, although He should get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. What boggles my mind is I hear a lot of young people saying, God's so jealous. Why does He want all the love? Why does He get all the honor? Why does He get all the glory? Whoa, be very careful. Be very careful when you start adapting attitudes where you wonder why the God of this universe should be honored, why he should be glorified, why he should be celebrated. Oh, my gracious, he should be honored and glorified because he is creator God, because he loved you so much that he sent him, his son to die for you. He should be glorified because he, He not only created this world, as I read the other night, He holds it together. He sustains it. Without Him doing so, guess what? You wouldn't even have oxygen to breathe. We ask some crazy questions. I mean, I'm privy to them all. Is there a rock too big that God couldn't move? I've heard all the crazy things. Oh, my friends, it's not a love based on what God's going to somehow get out of the relationship, but He deserves whatever He gets out of the relationship. It's not a love based on the obedience of what you and I do. But guess what? The Bible is very clear. God is well pleased when we walk in obedience to His command. It's a sacrificial love. that was demonstrated by the action that He took for me and for you. Christmas, the Christmas story is a confirmation that your life matters to God. It's a confirmation. Just take your finger and point to yourself. It's a confirmation and just say, it's a confirmation that I matter to God. I matter to God. I matter to God. And today, later today, when you start to forget that, just take your little old finger out and say, I matter to God. Christmas reminds me that I'm important to God. That he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son for me. That's amazing. Had it just been you, he would have sent Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing God. Oh, it's a story of his confirmation that we matter to God. It's a story of his celebration. It's a story of a celebration of the truth that God loves us more than you and I could ever imagine. Oh, the limitless love of Joseph... Is simply a picture of God's limitless love for you and for me. And maybe you're here and you've never recognized. Maybe you've never really recognized. You've heard about it, but you've never recognized God's love in the way that would make a difference in your life. Maybe you've never received God's love. You've heard about it. You've heard people talk about it, but you've never actually appropriated that gift. It's like on Christmas morning. When that gift was given to me, that's nice, but until I open it, I don't know what's in the box. I had to open it and receive that gift to really make it mine. The same is true spiritually. If you've never recognized or received the gift of His love, I pray that today you have seen your need. I pray that this morning, whether you're here in this room or you're watching online, not only have you seen your need, but you have recognized God's limitless love for you and that he wants to give you the gift of forgiveness. He wants to give you the gift of life everlasting and he's already done it through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is receive it. Oh, I pray that that's your desire today. If you don't know Christ that you would receive and maybe maybe you're saved here, but maybe you need to recommit yourself to a proper understanding of his gift so that you'll be better suited really in the days ahead. You'll be better suited in the days ahead to share His gift with others as you come into contact with Him. Whatever your need is today, don't miss out. Don't miss out on the love of God. The Christmas story is filled with His love. And I pray that if you don't know Him, that you'll receive Him this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy and the opportunity that you have given us today to worship you in song, to sing praises to you and to pray to you and to open up your word and to hear from you. Lord, I pray that in the quietness of this moment, if there's somebody in this room that has never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, that they would do it right now. Again, we understand it's not about the words, but the desire of one's heart to enter into the greatest relationship of all, that relationship with you through Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're watching, and you say, Pastor, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. And I tell you, you, you're probably not alone. There's probably others in this room as well. Just like myself years ago, I needed to call out upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you would say, Pastor, what do I need to do? Simply just talk to God. Just talk to Him. Quietly under yourself. You don't have to stand up and broadcast it for everybody else. It's between you and God. But that you simply just talk to the Lord and tell Him, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. Nobody had to convince me of that. Lord, at this time, I'm asking you to Forgive me. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. I know that you're able. I know that you've conquered death, hell, and the grave. I believe that you are who you say you are. So Lord, at this time, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Lord, I'm asking you also to give me the ability to live for you from this day forward. Lord, I'll be careful to thank you not only for just forgiving me and saving my soul, but for giving me that strength to live each and every day in a way that brings you honor and glory. If that's you this morning, if that's your that's your heart's prayer, and you said that quietly under yourself to God this morning, as a testimony of your decision, would you just look at me and just say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer this morning, and I meant it with all of my heart. God bless you. I see you, bro. Somebody else, See, I trusted Christ. I meant business with the Lord today and I want you to know I want the, I want you to celebrate I see you young man. I want you to celebrate with me this decision I made. I see you. I see you buddy. I love you man. God bless you. I'm so thankful that you've been coming on Wednesdays and Sundays now. I'm really I'm excited for you. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you're online and today you recognize your need. Just simply let us know so that we could celebrate with you. You can type it there in the comments. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I needed this this morning. I needed to be reminded of the limitless love, not of just simply Joseph, but of God. I needed that reminder that will carry me into the new year. That when things are going south, when things aren't looking good, I can just point back to myself and say yes. My life matters to God. I needed that today. If that's you, would you look at me? Would you look at me? God bless you. I see you. I see you. Say, I needed that reminder that my life matters to God. Bless your heart. Somebody else says, God bless you. Others, my life mattered to God. God bless you. I needed that reminder today. 2020 has been crazy. And I needed to be reminded that my life matters to God. Maybe that's you online. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful for how you work, how you see fit to work in our midst. Even though we're not worthy, even though what we deserve is punishment, I'm so grateful that you didn't respond emotionally, but you responded and met our greatest and deepest need. Lord, thank you for proving your love to us. Thank you for setting an example for us. God, thank you for allowing us to see some of these truths in the life of Joseph, a man who we never heard even speak. And yet through his life, we've learned this lesson. God, I pray that as we sing a song of invitation this morning, that you will be honored and glorified by our words and by the desires and the actions, the desires of our heart and the actions that we take in the coming days. Lord, we give you the praise for it all in Jesus' precious name. And for his sake, I do pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.